0: Growing your B2B SaaS to 10K MRR is hard. What if you could get advice from industry experts who already did it or help others do it? As a founder myself, I know you're always lacking time and it's often hard to find this kind of advice in a digestible way. My name is Jorn Hoffman, I'm the founder of Reddits and the host of the Grow Your B2B SaaS podcast. In season 2 of our podcast, I interviewed 20 industry experts on all different topics on how to grow a B2B SaaS. At the end of the interview, I will ask them the exact same question. What kind of advice would you give a SaaS founder growing to 10k MLR? This summary episode purely gives you the answers to that single question. So I know you're going to love this one. Before you hear the guest speak, I will let you know who it is and which episode in case you want to listen to the full interview. So let's go. We're going to start with the episode one where I interviewed Michael Damjovic on how to run profitable ad campaigns.
1: So in regards to ads, I think, I mean, if you're, if you're coming to 10K MRR, then you're still testing and you're still finding out what's working. And therefore you do need to do a lot of testing. I think we were at that stage with pretty much just customers here in Norway, where we're based, Oslo, Norway, and then we started an experiment, a testing phase, so we wanted to find out which markets were going to be the next markets for us. I think we started with about 20 different countries and then very quickly within a month or so, then we found our top five countries. And that was actually at that point, it was the Netherlands. I was actually number one, Sweden, the UK, Australia, funnily enough. And then of course the US, because the US is just a giant. My advice is if you do have an international product, then start with that. Start with some experimenting. As a side note, what I've put here, because obviously if you, if we're talking about SaaS, the ultimate goal, I believe for the majority of SaaS companies is that they go viral quicker sooner rather than later. That's a dream at Adline. We would love to just go completely viral so that people can be completely self service, no touch, everything's great. The reality is that we're not there yet. We need that sales assist. So my advice is keep that focus on sales if you're doing sales led and it is working even if you think okay we're getting in a few viral sales we want to test that more okay do that but keep that focus on on sales led keep those demos coming in keep the keep that momentum going and when you start to get that momentum don't ease off and start to try to push more to viral push it even harder you're only going to regret not pushing on that momentum that you get because when you do these sales and you get to know your customers You get to see their needs, you get to see their pains, you're able to create delight. And it goes back to what I said about knowing your audience, doing that research, me sitting in a meeting on Zoom or Google Meet or whatever it is, that's our research. That's our research on people that we want to sell to.
0: In episode two, I interviewed Michael Humble on why
2: should somebody buy your SaaS now? I think when you are in the beginning early days, there is almost no other option than to go in very provocative, to go in a bit provocative, the polarizing way. Because at the end of the day, you can talk to everybody in a nice way, but only a limited amount of people will actually buy from you, you know, the famous early adopters. It's trying to figure out who are the early adopters, the first 10. For me, still, you gotta buy. What that means is you either gonna give discount on your time or on your product or features, whatever. The first thing you gotta buy, but if you give something, always ask the logo, the use case in return, because that's the ultimate trust. So the use case is key. And be a bit provocative, be a bit polarizing, be a bit careful with Belgians. They're a bit, they don't like that too much. You gotta downplay a bit but get the use case. Give discount or whatever you do, get the use case. That is the ultimate, right? Yeah,
0: I think that's also the key in sales, right? If you give something away, so either a discount or a time yeah. indeed, always ask something in return. Very
2: interesting on pricing, because I get, I get in pricing discussions, I have some friends who own these large consultancy where they do all this pricing comparison and all of that. And every single time when I ask them, I say, how's the pricing going eh? Like in the world? And he's like, every single time we realize that people in average ask 35% less, than they should so dear uh 10k mrr startup friends immediately put two three products even if they do not exist just double triple the pricing from a sales point of view it's just a way better position to discuss because that's the next thing is putting the pricing up.
0: in episode three i interviewed mats Vedakop on how to build a strong culture
3: so if you're growing to 10k you're probably just you and your co-founders. So I'd say be very conscious about, start talking about now at least as co-founders before you bring on your first employee, which type of company is it we want to build? Which type of culture is it that we want to build? And also make it very clear where you want to be in three years. Not as in, we want to be at a 3 million ARR and we want to have 50 employees and we want to have cackle TV of this and that. No, well, if you envision, where is the company in three years? how does it look what's the feel when you're into the office what's what's the impact you've had on the world what does the media say about you what does the employee say about you as an employer kind of those things envision those things and then build on that because then you you stay on course and you make sure you build a company that is built to last and doesn't just take in small wins
0: in episode four i interviewed thomas small on how to sell your
4: b 2 house I generally think SaaS founders who are at that stage spend too much time focused on product and not enough time spent on marketing. So obviously you have to build a good product. That's, I can't argue that's not true, but many people spend all of their time. They spend hundred percent of their time on product and basically no time on marketing and then they say, oh, I haven't made any money yet. I'm still at $2,000 MRR and they've been working on it for 12 years because they haven't done any marketing. So I think early stage, you need to balance it. So I don't know if there's a perfect percentage, but I think you need to be spending at least 30% of your time marketing. It's impossible to build a business if people don't buy your product and people will not buy your product if you don't do any marketing, unless you already have an existing audience that you've built somewhere else that you've built before, but that's that's a little bit different. If you're starting from zero, your only option is to get out there and tell people about the business. And there's no one marketing channel that everyone must work on. It really depends on your business, but I think it's important to focus early on, on a few, so maybe two or three, up to five marketing channels that work. So you're focused, but a little bit diversified and making sure that you are trying a range of different things. The worst thing is to start out and do, you hear this and you say, okay, Thomas said I need to do marketing. So you go try 50 different things. That's probably not a good idea if you're at that level. You should try a few, get them to work and then hopefully continue to focus on growing those channels.
0: In episode five, I interviewed Meiva Fuentes on how to leverage SEO as a B2B SaaS.
5: So if you're growing your company to 10K monthly recurring revenue, that means you can't invest in an agency and you can't invest in, in anything external. So it's on you. So I would say you need to decide if search is gonna be a part of your business strategy. Because If you start now, that could be really great for you. You could also do it later, but it, it could be really powerful to start now because it's compounding. But it's not something where you say, let me just try it out for two months and see what ROI I get because that's not the mindset to have around it. So you can say, I'm deciding to choose this as a channel and it's going to drive revenue for the company. And then you can go and do it and start building out your bottom of the funnel pages and start building out the builder archetype. I think it's really just to just choose it or don't choose it. Yeah, do it good or don't do it. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Because if you're like, oh, we're just going to do it as an afterthought or we'll do it on the side or it's not an actual business strategy, then whatever time and money you're investing in that is taken away from what can actually drive results. So choose to do it excellently and choose to put really effort and time into it to do it right. Or if you prefer to half-ass it, I think you would be really better off just not choosing that as a strategy because it's a business strategy if you really want it to drive results.
0: In episode 6, I interviewed Stefan Hedebrand on how to do revenue attribution the right way. So like starting out, I would just focus on doing a lot of activities and run on a critical gut feeling, like just do some stuff and look at what are the leading indicators here that this is probably true. And if there's something that where you're in doubt, whether it works or not, then it's probably not working. Just based out of your gut feeling and scratching the surface, because it's much better to like keep an high activity level at that point. In episode seven, I interviewed Mike Grizzo on how to build a community as a B2B SaaS.
6: I would say start with a very small group in that sort of initial batch of community efforts, right? Focus in on what you believe are your sort of industry experts or your potential customers or even your early beta testers and treat them as special members, right? Make sure that they get recognized for the value that they're bringing to you. Whether you, as a founder, decide to set aside some sort of options that they can exercise because you issue them 10 shares for being a member of a vesting period of a couple of years, or you tell them they're going to get grandfathered into some sort of product. But just make sure you recognize the value that they're bringing and make, keep it small at first, because running a community, as I said, of any size, whether it's a customer advisory board or a larger scale, it does take time and it does take dedication. And you don't really want to be distracted and let people feel like they're not being heard or paid attention to keep it small at first, unless you have the budget to be able to hire somebody as a community manager, and even then make sure that they're focused very intently on providing value to them just as much as that group is providing value to you. In episode eight, I interviewed Il
0: Prieto on how to improve your user onboarding.
7: On the 10K MR thing, you are looking more into retention. You're trying to prove retention as much as possible. And that's actually how you're going to get more money overall in the long term. On that stage, and I like to use lean analytics as a framework to understand how growth stages for startups work. And basically their way of thinking is first you empathize with people that you understand their problem and a solution that is working, then you strive for stickiness which aka is retention after you have retention and only after you have retention do you focus on virality do you focus on revenue and then you finally focus on scare but at this stage retention everything about retention so if you're focusing on improving the user onboarding for any reason at all it should be to get better retention these are are inherently tied together so uh, like i said before it's the first user experience it's half of the news we're gonna churn. So retention, it's already there. And it's almost impossible to get your, your retention curve. is gonna churn some people like, but user onboarding will focus is on making that handoff from marketing to product and getting people to actually experience the value of your product so that they stay. So for early 10K, I would focus on your user onboarding efforts, helping retention. And some of the tips here, cause I also wrote some tips. Specifically, I would focus on keeping the user onboarding short to the point, teaching the users by doing, don't just tell them stuff, get them forward and moving, but make it quick. Also at this stage, qualitative data is more important. You don't have enough quantitative data to to pull the big guns on, on, on data. But qualitative data is super important and you can get in under 24 hours, five user tests for the first user experience of your product almost instantly, right? That's another service I do, by the way, if anybody's interested. I do usability testing for the same reason. But basically you can go yourself and do it. But there's a bunch of tools that do remote usability testing. That's the data you should be focusing on. And then, like I said, focus on retention.
0: In episode nine, I interviewed Alex Levin on how to do product marketing for your B2B SaaS. If you're
8: early stage as a founder, you should be doing product marketing yourself. And you're not even going to call it product marketing. You're just going to call it customer discovery. And you're going to have customer interviews. You're going to engage with them. You're going to get feedback. You're going to talk with competitors. You're going to find the place where you want to be and figure out how you need to do the sales motion. Is it a demo? Is it a video you're sending them? Is it a trial? Is it an annual contract? How do you match the pricing to the value that you're making sure that people see it from your product so that it all aligns? And you're going to be doing all that stuff on your own at the beginning. Don't give it to somebody else, especially if it's not working. Don't give it to somebody else. I'd say that's a mistake I see often. Oh, this is hard and it's not working. I need to hire the expert to go fix it. Never works. It should be the opposite. I'm now seeing as a founder, the signs of success in this area. Now I'm going to go hire somebody to help me amplify it. That's how you're going to set somebody up for success.
0: In episode 10, I interviewed James Ski, how to build and grow a B2B SaaS sales team.
8: I would say that you need to get to that 10K marker by yourself. And then rather than looking for a closer, you should be looking at someone to support you with lead generation. So that's either lead generation from using and driving outband campaigns or LinkedIn networking via your own LinkedIn profile. So someone that can virtual assistant actually is a, is a good way to start that. When you're having conversations, someone is also booking meetings for you. Or Also, you should look at getting a junior SDR, probably two, so just fill your calendar with more meetings. Only when you're starting to get overwhelmed with meetings in your diary, should you, and you've started to generate more of that revenue, should you be considering finding a closer to, to close
9: more revenue for you.
0: In episode 11, I interviewed Jan Skallen, how to reduce your CPL and scale profitable ad campaigns.
9: First of all is friends and family, the people, and you got to get the first clients to having a proof of concept. And I would say that's the hardest part, getting the first 10 clients. So when you got the 10 clients, you're not all good, but you're, you're in a lot better place. But it's just looking at us as a house. You're building a house and the foundation has to be solid. So you have to start thinking about what you're doing, your homepage, your planning. So I have strategies that three years down the road. Not even touch link, but I have the diagram, so I need to do this, and then I can do this, and then I can do this, and then I can do this. And so it's follow. So don't try to overachieve and do everything at once. Just start with the homepage, call the outreach, friends, family, five ten euros a day on ads, and then the LinkedIn outreach and the call the emails. And then you, if you manage with just focusing on those things, then you're going to be a lot further than a lot of people that are all over the place. And I'm not talking to the bootstrap guys because the other ones are going to waste the 10,000 euros uh, on ads the first month. And uh, yeah, 78% of it is going to be lost. So I like the bootstrap with the red wine. In
0: episode 12, I interviewed Andrew Kazdecki on how to bootstrap your SaaS to a 10
8: million plus exit. To 10K monthly recurring revenue, I would say if you have no idea how to market your business, just start building in public. You'll find customers, you'll build your brand. You'll have people cheering you on. It keeps you accountable. You'll get instant feedback. There's so many benefits to it. You'll definitely get copied though. But don't worry about that. I always say if you're not being copied, try harder. Because people don't copy bad products. But that would be my best advice. In episode 13,
0: I interviewed Lotte Geldermans. How to secure an early stage investment for your SaaS.
4: I
8: would always say open up shop. So put your sign up button big fat sign a button at the top of your page and start going out everywhere because you're going to learn so much. You're going to find out so much from your users, talk to your users, call the ones and call especially the ones that don't return. Those are the most interesting ones to learn from because you want to convert those to use it. And yeah, really start going out there because you're going to pivot. You're going to change a little bit here and there. Like we've seen startups change so much from the initial idea just because they opened up shop and they just went out and talked to people. And I think like even further stage, but especially when growing up to 10K MRR, I think that's the most valuable thing you could ever do.
0: In episode 14, I interviewed Nathan Latka on how to get capital as a bootstrapper.
10: Any, him or her, whoever, start with audience. Don't think about software. Build an audience first. It's going to make the software launch way cheaper, way faster, way easier.
0: And I guess you already mentioned the podcast here. Is is one example, any other great examples you can give here?
10: LinkedIn content, email newsletter, podcast, YouTube channel, Twitter group, Facebook group, LinkedIn group, write a book, publish a magazine. There's tons of examples here.
0: In episode 15, I interviewed Mark Staus on how to plan, predict, and prove your go-to-market plan.
11: I would go to companies or people in companies that you have a relationship with and say, hey, we really think we have something here. We'd like you to, to sign up. We will give you a hugely attractive kind of offer. What we're really looking for more than money is feedback on the product, help us make it better and better. And in our case, We were very blessed. We had really top-tier brand-side customers and agency-side customers, consultancy-side customers that took us up on that offer. And we are absolutely at that level of ARR that you're talking about, or MRR in year one. But it's not a lot of money. If you're not actively raising money in some way, it's going to be very difficult to build a business on 120,000 ARR. It's just... Gonna be very tough.
0: Nice. But indeed. And and that's what you mentioned. Build a product with people like, but you have to have people use your product. So get first people in, make sure they use your product have them give you feedback and then from there you can start growing and yeah so
11: look it's predicated on you've got to have even in the early days you've got to have a really good product they have to be able to see that using even your early stage your v1 v2 product is going to help them it's going to be worth their time forget the money the real cost is their time so it's got to be worthwhile for them on that one if then it really pans out and delivers a lot of value to those teams, then you're home free because they're not going to want to give it up. At some point, you're going to say, look, you know what? You helped us so much. We need to start charging you more for this, but we are so thankful. And so we're going to give you a special early bird only kind of deal. You're going to get essentially one third price for the next 10 years or something ridiculous like that. And that way they don't feel taken for granted. They feel rewarded. They're very likely to say nice things and talk publicly about it and privately about your product. That's what you want. At the end of the day, you're building awareness, confidence, and trust in the marketplace. That's brand, but psychographically speaking, that's brand. So that's what's greasing the skids for your growth.
0: In episode 16, I interviewed Andy Caruza on how
10: to achieve product market fit I, I like this stage a lot because this is where like a lot of the problem solving actually happens this is where identifying the right customer really fine-tuning your product market fit and building that mvp out become really crucial because everything out after that is in my opinion becomes a lot easier but going from zero to 10k is probably probably the hardest uh, point of any business so now, that's why it's really important to go back to the basics, like I mentioned, and this is the stage where you really have to identify product market fit and you have to get it because it's going to make everything else you do afterwards so much easier and more effective to scale the business from there on out. So talk to your customers, get that feedback, get very granular, build everything brick by brick, customer by customer, and get right down to the problem and solve it as effectively and simply as as you possibly can for the customer.
0: In episode 17, I interviewed Shea Ho. On how to
10: leverage marketing automation for your sales if you're in the motion of growing to 10k and mrr my hypothesis is your business you're still trying to find that niche you probably don't have that product market fit quite aligned but you have strong senses and you're on the right path to do it stay focused there stay focused on that market who are you trying to reach what are their needs what are their pain points tailor your product your service to them stay absolutely incredibly close to them that's going to be the path to actually being able to build and start to scale. In that, don't forget the marketing side of it. And it's easy to skip, but thinking about your brand, building that out is going to be what really starts to help set you apart from what might be in the competitive marketplace. And if you're doing that in a way that is memorable, albeit authentic, and it becomes relevant to that audience, that's gonna support you for a while. In that same scenario, customer service is key. Like staying close to that target market also means you're providing them the best customer service Because that word of mouth and referral could be one of your largest channels of growth and how you're going to get more folks on board. So stay close to them, not only in the sense that you can learn from them and use that to adjust or evolve, but it can also drive that referral for your business as well. In episode 18,
0: I interviewed Melissa Kwan on how to become profitable as a bootstrap SaaS.
12: Focus on making revenue driven decisions like profit led decisions. Don't focus on the shiny object. People are not going to buy your product because it's cool. They're going to buy your product because it helps them make money. And money can come in the form of time-saving, right? So for us, it's, you can stop doing live webinars over and over. Like Focus on, because you have to choose, right? You have to In order to choose what's good, you have to say no to a lot of things. So choose the thing that people are going to pay you for. That is literally the most important thing right now. And the second is, of course, be really cost conscious. And being cost conscious means like, don't hire employees if you don't have to, right? Hire contractors for their expertise to only do the thing that you need. And make sure that if someone, and this is something I'm still trying to get better at, is if someone doesn't work out, stop beating the dead horse, just fire them. Like, you do not have the capital and the time to try to make a mediocre person really good. So firing fast is something that I know we hear a lot, but sometimes you just know, right? Your gut feeling this person is not going to work out. And that's why in the beginning, especially like it's so good to work with contractors because if it doesn't work out, like you just end the contract. But those are the two things I would focus on is like profit-driven decisions and be super cautious with how you spend your money. On
0: episode 19, I interviewed Joyce McKenzie on strategic finance. Getting from product market fit to code to market success.
5: I would say get your product right. Make sure your product is really solving a mission critical need. And ideally is not just cutting cost for your customers, but also increasing revenue. These are the products that are most sticky, that grow the fastest, that have long-term LTV. So really make sure that your product is solving something that is effective for whoever you're going after.
0: In episode 20, I interviewed Amir Ryder on why should you hire globally as a SaaS company?
6: I would say don't overhire, And I would say to really optimize and automate your process before hiring people, because you're going to have a lot of opportunity to automate and, and optimize your process It all depends who you're hiring to obviously hiring an executive assistant might be very different than an SDR. But I would say just keeping your standards exactly the same, whether they're in the States, they're next door or globally, don't lower your standards of hiring. I think that's what some type people do, and I, I don't think you should, but these are your standards. Somebody either needs to meet these standards or not. If they meet those standards and they're in Colombia and their cost is 2000, that's a win. Great. But don't lower your standards to make that happen. Yeah. Because in the end, especially in, in that phase, you need people who can indeed meet the standards. Just never lower your standards. Have your rules. You yeah. break your rules of business. And I break my rules of business all the time. I could sit here talking like I'm awesome and I don't break rules. It's easy to be like, hey, Joran, don't break your rules of business. But it's hard for us CEOs not to break rules.
0: Those were all the pieces of advice on how to grow your B2B to 10k MMR. If you love this episode, make sure to listen to the full episodes as they will be also packed with a lot of value. Before we end this, could you just do me a quick favor? Can you follow the podcast on where you're listening right now? Give it a review, a rating, a thumbs up or anything what is possible at the, at the platform. Feel free to connect with me on LinkedIn. And if you're interested in growing your B2B SaaS, make sure to also check out Reddit it is. For now, see you at the next episode.